In our scripture for today, the disciples, those friends of Jesus, are experiencing some separation anxiety. As Jesus has described with them that he won't be with them as he is now for much longer. He told them that he would return and how glorious it would be, but they needed to look for some signs. This mysteriousness left them with many questions, and so they began asking about them. Do we gain a better sense of clarity from Jesus' descriptions? Maybe. As we draw into the scripture for this morning, let us pray. O Lord, our God, we are learning a little bit more about the necessity for watchfulness and how we might be in this season with one another. Move us and urge us into a new place, into a place where relationships, not only with each other but you, are at the first and foremost of our imaginations. In your name we pray. Amen. Our scripture for this morning comes from Matthew chapter 24. Listen or follow along as God has word for you. But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing of the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in a field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of the Lord. Despite its ominous overtones, this passage is likely alluding to both the swift and sudden sequence of a historical events of the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, but also the second coming of Christ. It's not meant to scare us, but it is instead maybe to remind us that the kingdom of heaven is everywhere, even where we least expect it. In this sense of preparation, of not knowing when it is or where it will happen, is us that we need to be readily important and to know all the different times that we are to love and forgive. We are to have redemption and hope and have that be a part of a choice that we make every single day on our calendar. Because you never know when things are going to happen. 
I had a friend named Henry a long time ago, and he told me when he first moved to the United States, the most important thing for him was pizza. Where he was from, pizza was something that they had on a very special occasion, just not very regularly. And good thing he moved to New York, because there's a pizza place around every corner. He described for me the first time that he came around the corner of his neighborhood and he smelled the pizza and then he saw someone pulling it fresh out of the oven and it was almost this golden color because of the pepperoni that was melting and making the cheese come together with all of the oil. It was so delicious, he could smell. He asked the shop owner how much it cost. One slice, he said, would be $5 and a Coke. So he thought about it, $5, that's not so much. But as a new immigrant, he wasn't familiar with our currency, so he had to think about it one more time. And he thought, that's actually a lot of money in my country. So he decided not to buy it that day because he didn't have enough money. Not as cheap as he thought. But he knew where he could find some money. He went and asked his mom. His mom said, what do you need $5 for? A piece of pizza. I'm not giving you $5 for a piece of pizza. That seems too expensive. And so he was left hopeless. No pizza pizza for my friend Henry. He decided to save the money. And as a new immigrant, he knew the value of money and he didn't want to just go and spend the first $5 that he made, he had responsibilities. He needed to be at home, he needed to give his money to his mom and dad, so it took him, he said, 20 days for him to earn enough money for a slice of pizza and a Coke. And so happily that day after school, on the 20th day, he walked in and he asked for the slice of pizza and a Coke, and he got it and it was still warm in his hand and he put it in his satchel because he thought, it's right before dinner time, I'm not going to go home because if I go home, my sister is going to ask me for some pizza and I don't want to share. So he went to a nearby park where he knew that not many people would be around. He sat on a park bench and just as he sat down, he noticed a gentleman further away in the distance but looking at him. Well, he didn't want to take out his pizza right then and there. He had waited 20 days for this delicious piece of gooey pizza. He wanted to enjoy it in peace. And so he waited and waited. The man seemed harmless and he stayed there. So then he pulled out the slice of pizza and just then the man stood up and walked a little bit towards him. He stood and had a conversation with him and then asked him if he had anything to eat. Well, of course my friend Henry couldn't say anything, but yes, I do have something to eat because the pizza was sitting there right in his lap. But it was his one piece of pizza. It was his one chance, and he had been waiting for so long. So he thought for a moment, and it was a New York slice of pizza bigger than his head, so he thought, I'll tear it in half. He tore it in half and gave half of it to his friend, who quickly gobbled it up, he described. It was so hot still, he doesn't even know how he was able to accomplish that. 
the guy looked a little satisfied. But he noticed that there were tears coming out of his eyes. My friend Henry asked him if there was anything wrong. You know, it was a little bit colder outside, and sometimes the cold makes your eyes water a little bit. It wasn't that there was anything wrong, it was that there was something so right. The gentleman said, I haven't eaten for more than two and a half days. My friend Henry described that he had a, felt a soft heart for him. He thought to himself, when I go home, I'm going to have a full meal. I'm not worried about where my next meal is going to come from. And the gentleman did. So it evoked him to give his other slice, his other half of the pizza. After he ate it, they had some more conversation, and the gentleman asked him for a hug. Very appreciative, of course. My friend Henry gave it to him, and they walked off away from one another, changed forever because of this encounter. And that day, my friend Henry realized that it doesn't take a lot to help others. A small act of humanity can make our world beautiful. And seeing his transformation through his eyes through the story was remarkable. And we noticed that the kingdom of heaven is everywhere, even when we least expect it. That man in the park went about the rest of his evening more full than he had been when he started out. But my friend Henry, he'd been impacted even more greatly by the encounter. So whether your act of kindness is small, medium, or grand, all are needed in this world, always and with regularity. It's like putting a mantra for your daily life on your bathroom mirror. Jesus is coming, so look busy. Why are scriptures describe some people that might be taken or swept away and others left left me with more questions than confidence about my ability to do what's right in God's eyes in every situation. So upon some further thought, these differences between these two different types of people written in our scriptures, good, bad, obedience and disobedience, wisdom and folly. This is a topic that's deep within ancient Jewish tradition and mostly noted in the book of Proverbs. There's mostly short sayings about them, and sometimes extended with beautiful, delightful word pictures. We find a wealth of detail about this wise person and this foolish person. Now, of course, the wise person is the one who respects and honors God, and the fool is the one who forgets about God. But their wisdom and folly work themselves out in thousands of different ways in our daily lives, in business, home, or in the village, and making plans for the future, and how they treat other people, and the honesty and dishonesty, and their hard work and their laziness, and their ability to recognize and avoid temptations to immorality. And Jesus in our passage today is evoking this whole tradition of wisdom writing which continued to develop in Judaism even after the Old Testament. And we see it in our scriptures today, in the New Testament, 
in the Gospels. But now the point of wisdom and folly is not just being able to do what God wants us in every situation or some long list of good deeds. If the living God might knock at your door at any time, wisdom means being ready at any time. Now, having had just a few days of the holiday, everything had the look of cheerful untidiness that a family can create from being together for four days. We got to relaxing around the house and our books and our magazines lay all over the place. So did our coffee mugs and some leftover containers that piled in the sink and toys not really put away and bins of the Thanksgiving and Christmas decorations still lay in our foyer. But company was coming over soon. So we hit the house as a team, my husband and wife and two and a half year old daughter. We mopped the floors, she put away toys, much to her dismay, took out the trash, and even started getting the meal ready. But what if our guests, who are always running late, hadn't hit any traffic, and ended up actually coming an hour earlier than expected? We wouldn't have had time to clean up, and they would have been welcomed into our mess. It made me think about how one might be able to tidy a house fairly quickly in a few minutes, but you can't reverse the direction of your whole life or a whole culture that quickly. By the time the ring on the doorbell happens, it's too late. And Jesus' coming was described like that, unexpected. As in, the day before the flood in Noah's time, there wasn't even a cloud in the sky to evoke rain. We might have a normal day at work, but somehow before five o'clock and the hour strikes, everything changes. Or like a thief in the night, if you knew that they were coming, you would have already had the police waiting there for them. So Jesus was trying to be very clear in noting that the focus that they had been having was not supposed to be on the future. It was supposed to be on here and now. People were dragging their feet. They were delaying and not changing their behaviors just for some grandiose hope of the future, hoping for a savior that would upheaval everything, including that Roman Empire. So they weren't making changes to their present. And I would argue that their own transformation of being with one another is what would bring about a hope for a new kingdom. And the same is true then and now. We are eager to hear about signs that will indicate the arrival of change. We have a hope in the coming Christ. We too live in unknown and turbulent times. We too must be about the work of the kingdom. And sometimes it might take a little bit more than us to offer simply a slice of pizza, but we know that we'll receive everything in return. Amen and amen.